that's just a little bit of background on the book of Haggai. If you sort of missed it, here's the key points. Um, Haggai um, is a prophet. And a prophet is someone that speaks on behalf of God to God's people. Okay, so that's what a prophet does. And this prophet at that time is called Haggai. We're missing some lights on this side. Stop eating your snacks and turn the lights on. It's not a dance party. Um, so that's... <laughs> Jerusalem had been defeated and taken over by the Babylonians who destroyed the temple of God. And then Cyrus, the Persian king, then takes over from the Babylonians. And when Cyrus, the Persian king, comes into power, he lets God's people, the Jews, return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of God and rebuild their lives. And it was 18 years since the Jews had returned when Haggai starts preaching. So that's a little bit of context of the book of Haggai. We're going to be in Haggai chapter 1 today. And Haggai chapter 1 is broken into three sections. God challenges, God commands, and God comes. Okay, And we're going to read from Scripture and we're going to see what God has to say. So the first part of, of Haggai is from verse 2 to 6. And this is what, uh, this is God challenges. And this is, this is what the scriptures say. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? This house being God's house. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the situation is God's people were back in Jerusalem and they were led back into Jerusalem um, to rebuild their lives, but really to rebuild their faith and their temple, God's house. But they hadn't done that. They, they were meant to come back to rebuild God's house, but they hadn't done that. And not only that, they, they're making excuses. Oh, you know, I don't think it's time to build the temple. I don't think it's time to rebuild God's house. And yet God comes to them, and this is what he says in verse 4, and this is going to be really key to this whole chapter. This is what God says. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin. God is asking this question. What are you guys doing? You're building your houses, you're building your lives, but, but, but what about my house? You've been back for 18 years. And I can see that, that, that you're, you're building your lives again and, and your houses, but what about my house? For 18 years... After their return, their focus had been rebuilding their own houses and their own lives rather than rebuilding God's house. Now, if I was God, I would be angry, right? How dare you go and do your own thing and not honor me, 
by building my house. But I don't think necessarily God is angry. But what God is saying is, I want you to really think about this. Think about this for a moment. Think about your life. Think about what's been happening around you. And this is what he says in verse 6. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're never warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. What God's saying is, hey, you're doing everything to invest into your life. You're doing everything to rebuild your life, to build your house. But every time you keep doing that, it's just not enough. It's just not enough, is it? You're not satisfied. You're not fulfilled. You feel like you're investing your life to rebuild your life, and yet it's just not getting there. That's my kid. That pause between Christ, it's brutal. God is asking these guys, hey, you, you, you obviously didn't spend time building my house. You're in building your house. How's that going for you? How's that going for you? You keep building, but it doesn't go up. You keep eating, but you're still hungry. You keep drinking, but you're still thirsty. It's not really happening for you, is it? Why is this? Why is this? And, and God's going to answer this question in the second part, in verse 7 to 11, uh, with the title, God Commands. And this is what it says in verse 7 to 11. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Right? Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to, into the mountain and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, listen, because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the olive oil and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and all the labor of your hands. The reason why all these Israelites, they're trying to build up their life, they're trying to build their house and it's not happening and it's not happening and it's not happening and God says, do you know why? Because of me, I'm not letting you. I'm stopping that process. So you know what I did? I sent drought. You don't get crops. You, your life is on hold. Why is that? Because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your house. God is saying, you have your priorities misplaced. You have your priorities misplaced. He was the one that brought on drought. He's the one that limited the harvest. He's the one that blew away the crops because the people were too busy building their own houses. They're too busy building their own lives. And God's like, what about me? 
How come you're not honoring me? Okay? If I'm going to become second rate, then I'm going to take a step back too. God challenges the Israelites. He says, go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. This is the command. So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. God commands them, honor me by getting your priorities right. By getting your priorities right. And in the final section, verse 12 to 15, God comes. God challenges, God commands, and God comes. Then, then, verse 12, then Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the Lord of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people, they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. So God's people hear this message from God, and they respond. They respond in obedience, and they stop rebuilding their own houses, and they start rebuilding the house of God. And as they do this, we hear these amazing words that God gives to them in verse 13. I am with you. God comes down to the people to dwell with them, to be with them. He responds to their obedience by coming down and joining them. Not just to join them, but to stir up the spirit of the people to do the work, imparting his power upon them. The house of God that's mentioned in this passage and throughout the Old Testament refers to the dwelling place of God. The dwelling place of God. And it's a common theme that we have all the way from the Garden of Eden where we see that when God created and God created man, God dwelt there. That was his house. And then last week we talked about the tabernacle. And it was a, a temporary tent that was, that was um, set up and then it would move from place to place. But that symbolized the place, the house of God, the presence of God, the dwelling place of God. And then that became the temple. The temple that was built by Solomon and then that was destroyed and then this is the second temple. But in the New Testament, the house of God, the idea of the house of God evolves. And it changes when Jesus comes. And Jesus says, I and the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but through me. Jesus becomes the dwelling place, the fullness of God. And from Jesus, he then imparts that into the people. And then the house of God, the dwelling place of God, as we know it today, 
is now the church. This is the house of God. This is the dwelling place of God. Jesus says when two or more are here, I will be there. 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul writes, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and uh, and the ground of the truth. The church is the house of God. This is the dwelling place of God. Now let me ask you, friends. If God came down tonight, If God came down tonight, right, and asked you, whose house are you currently building? What would your answer be? Whose house are you currently in construction of? Think about it. Just as as the passage says, give careful thought to this question. Whose kingdom are you building right now? Yours or God's? Yours or God's? And if we're honest, if we're honest, we would say that for the majority of the time, we are building our own houses. We are building our own lives. We are building our own kingdoms. And then whatever is left over, we then give it to God. Isn't that the truth? You know, you really think about that? The best that we give to God sometimes is the leftovers. It's like you're building a house and you get all the material and you build your house and with all the offcuts, with all the bits left over, then you build a little kennel. That's all we do. And we think that that honors God. And what I'd say, exactly what Haggai, uh, God is saying to Haggai is you've got your priorities mixed up. You've got your priorities mixed up. See, for most humans um, that do not know God, they spend their whole lives building their own houses. That's the whole narrative of humanity, right? It starts with education, right? Why do you need a good education so that you can get into a good high school? Why do you need to get into a good high school so you can get into a good university? Why do you need to get into a good university so you can get a good job? Why do you need to get a good job so you can earn good money? What happens when you earn good money? Three things. You can get married to a hot chick. You can live in a big house. You can drive nice cars. Fourth one, you make more money. And then you make more money. And then you make more houses. And then you just build and build and build and build. And this is the story of humanity. This is the trap that the world sets. But do you know where this ends up? It ends up in a box. About two meters tall. See, that's what happens when you invest your life into building your house. Ultimately, you're investing into how nice that box is going to look or what view that box is going to have, which is ironic because the box is in the ground. See, that's what God's asking the Jews. All right? Hey, you're, I, I can see you're building your lives. I can see you're investing into your lives. Okay, so how's that going for you? Are you happy? Are you satisfied? Are you content? Do you wake up and go, man, I'm, I'm so joyful today. 
Or you go to sleep thinking, man, I'm, I just got so much peace tonight. See, the sad reality of the world that we live in is, is the fact that money does not equal happiness. Fame, being popular, does not equal peace. You build your life. Go build your life. Go build the portfolios. Go build your businesses. Go build, you know, your houses. And, 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 and then let God ask you, how's that going for you? It's never enough. That's why we see rich people just get more rich because they're greedy. When's enough? It's always the same answer. I just want to earn one more dollar, one more dollar, one more dollar. When's the end? And they're never happy because they can't earn that one more dollar. Or if fame, being famous and popular was, was really the answer to, to, to our world, why would all these famous people be struggling so much with mental illness or even suicide? See, we forget that we're not the builders of our lives. We think that we are. We're not the ultimate builders of our lives. The ultimate builder is God. Because the only person that is in control of things in this world is God. Can you control your life? Can you control what happens tomorrow? Think about this. Give careful consideration to this. None of us can. You know what? The idea of us building our lives and building our futures is like building sandcastles. That's how fragile our lives are. Now, we don't think this. We, we, we really don't because we really think that we're building rock-solid stuff. But it's the reality of building an amazing sandcastle. You can have as many floors, as many bathrooms as you want in that sandcastle, but it just takes one wave. And that wave comes and the sandcastle is gone. My question is, can you control that wave? Can any of us control that wave? The answer is no. The only person that can control that wave is God. Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor, labor, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. When we honor God with our lives, when we prioritize God with our lives, when we prioritize building God's house with our lives, nothing is wasted. When we honor God, he honors us. Think about this. When we build God's house, do you not think that he will build yours? Do you not think he's a better builder than you? The, the, the one that created the universe, the one that, that, that you know, uh, controls the weather? Do, do you not think that it is better for God to build our lives than for you? 
gourmet. See, when God, when, when, when God builds our lives, when you allow God to build your life, it does not mean that you will not go through pain and suffering. That's not what God says. Just because you honor God does not mean that you will not go through struggle and hardship. But when you let God build your life, nothing is wasted. It's all there for a reason. It's all there to build you. It's all there for your purposes. That's because God loves you. And he's honoring you because you're honoring him. When God is building our lives, do you know what? He gives us rest. Right? For he grants sleep to those he loves. How amazing would that be? Unlike living a life full of anxiety and worry about what is going to happen tomorrow. And isn't that the most of us? Worrying about our jobs tomorrow. Worrying about our children tomorrow. Worrying about, you know, what are we going to wear tomorrow? What are we going to eat tomorrow? You know, where are we going to move tomorrow? How much money are we going to wait? You know, how, many, how are we going to pay the bills? You know, and all this relationship brokenness and all these health issues. And, and we're just worrying. What, you know how nice it'd be to just to go to sleep and, without a worry in the world? Man, that, that'd be crazy, right? Some of you are like, man, that's, that's a pipe dream. That never happens. Can I tell you, when you put your hands, when you put your life in the hands of God and you fully trust Him with building your life, you can sleep with your mouth open and nothing will crawl in. <laughs> you trust God with that. Matthew 6.33, but seek his, first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Do you know why we do not prioritize God? Do you know why we try to do everything on our own? Do you know why we try to, to build our own houses and our own lives? Is because we do not believe this verse. This is what Jesus says to us. Seek first. First, his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. The reason why we struggle is because we do not believe what Jesus said. It comes down to that. Because if you believe that, if you truly believe that, that changes the way you live your life. It changes what you live for. It changes your expectation. changes your desire. You start prioritizing God first and trusting that he'll take care of you. Think carefully. Consider. Who would you rather trust your life with? Yourself? who can't even control the color of your own hair? You can't even control what color the traffic light is when you're driving. None of us can control the weather. You want to trust yourself with building your future? Or you want to trust God? I know who I would want to trust. Not me. Let me ask you once again, whose house are you currently building? Whose house are you currently building? 
Last Sunday, a friend of ours, guy we know, 45 years old, okay? He's about 10 years older than me. 45 years old, very successful businessman, loving wife, four children just like me. After church in the morning, goes home just to do some gardening because the weather was fine and then suddenly has a heart attack. 45 years old. Luckily, his wife found him, CPR. He was in an induced coma, still in hospital right now. 45. And you think to yourself, that 45-year-old guy, what could he have done? What could he have done to build his life to avoid that? Nothing. One of our sisters in church, her manager has a brand new baby. But sadly, baby's born with a heart condition. Operation. But the baby's too weak. And within the month, the baby passes away. What, what can you and I do about that? Two weeks ago, 12-year-old kid, just going to school one day, just walking to school, just like every other kid does in Australia. And suddenly this car, off the road, onto the pavement, over the kid, gone. 12-year-old kid. Now think about the parents. Think about the parents. What could they have done to avoid this? What could they have built into their life? And even after the death, what could they have built in their life that would help them through the trauma and the suffering and the anxiety and the hardship that they're going to go through right now and we're going through for many, many years? What could they have built? And the answer is sandcastles. That's the best we get, friends. That's the best you get to build it with your life. Sandcastles. Yeah, you might have a glorious sandcastle. You might have a sandcastle that goes all the way across the beach. You might even have sandcastles with gems in it and diamonds in it and gold on top of it and nice balconies and a nice view and maybe in a little, you know, you know how sandcastle, you, you do the little river thing and you, you, you could, uh, you know, make a little tunnel underneath there and some of you know what I'm talking about. And then when the wave comes, what will you do? Friends, Think about this. Like God is saying, consider this carefully. Whose house are you going to build? Whose house are you going to invest your life in? Who are you going to trust with your life? The world we live in was not created by us. The world we live in was created by God. We live in God's world. So don't you think that we need to understand what it means to build his house? Give careful consideration, my friends. None of you can guarantee tomorrow. We think we can. That's why we make plans. We think we know what we're going to do tomorrow. None of us can guarantee. Who would you trust with your future? Yourself, your investments, 
your works, your money, your skills? Or will you trust God, the creator and the sustainer of the universe? Let me finish with this. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he, listen to this, he will make your path straight. Not you will make your path straight. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Friends, it's time to go up to the mountain, bring down the timber and build God's house so that God may be pleased and be honoured in our lives. Let's pray.